Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. Welcome to Small Umbrella in the Rain, a podcast for little woman enthusiasts. My name is Nina, an Algot hobbyist from Finland. If I start by telling you a little bit about my relationship to little woman and my little woman research. I grew up watching the 1994 film and it's still one of my favorite period dramas ever made. I think I was about 12 when I read the book for the first time. Something I need to say for the American listeners. Here in Finland and in many European countries, Little Woman, it used to be published in two parts. So for me there were always two separate books. Little Woman Part 1 was Little Woman Book 1 and Little Woman Part 2 was Little Woman Book 2. I read Part 1 as a child and I didn't read Part 2 until I was 17. But since I had seen the 1994 film, I knew what was going to happen. About two years ago I started to do gender study specific research on Little Woman. I was studying illustration in the university and I was living in the UK back then. And I wrote my thesis on the portrayal of gender in fairy tales, which was super interesting. Around the same time I bought English version of Little Woman and I hadn't read it in English before. And I was really surprised since there were lots of scenes that weren't in my Finnish translation, which as it turned out was abridged and with some serious translation errors. However, it made me fall in love with Little Woman again and I started to read more about Louise and the real life people behind the story. I reread all the books and I watched all the adaptations. My research really started from desire for wanting to understand the book better. Then I decided that I wanted to focus on Laurie, Friedrich and Amy because, let's face it, they are the most misunderstood characters. As my research has been evolving, I think Joyce is a very misunderstood character as well. One thing that came very loud and clear when I dived deeper into the research was that Louisa planned from the very beginning for Joe and Frick to end up together and Amy and Laurie to end up together. That is one of the themes of this episode as well. You can find some of these talks from my YouTube channel. My YouTube channel is called Small Umbrella in the Rain. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok under the same name. For those of you who do not know, Small Umbrella in the Rain, that is a song from Little Woman Musical. If you want to follow my personal slash art account, my name is Fairy Chamber all over internet. I could have used my full name, but no one can pronounce my Finnish last name. I feel you, Frederick. I feel you. I have eight podcast episodes coming up for you. They are mostly about Friedrich and Laurie, so this is going to be a bit different Little Woman podcast. Hopefully in a good way. Why 8 episodes? That's something doable, and I am planning to make a finished version at some point. So these 8 episodes will be the season 1 of this podcast, and if you guys like it, maybe there will be a season 2. If you wish to read more about my research, you can find them from my website fairychamber.com. There's a little woman section in my blog. I also have a couple collaborations planned for this podcast and it is really exciting. 
on my favorite podcast, hosts usually tell about the things they've been up to. Considering the topic of this podcast, I think I will keep you updated how my research is going. I am currently halfway between Walter Harding's Henry Thoreau biography. I usually struggle with biographies, but this has been a very easy book to read, and it's from 1917. Just to warn you, I will talk a lot about Henry in this podcast. I also ordered Susan Cheever's American Bloomsbury. It's about the transcendentalist movement in Concord. I also need to reread Little Woman for my Amy research. But without further ado, Small Umbrella in the Rain, Episode 1, The Real Life Friedrich Bear. Welcome to the deep dive into the world of Louisa May Alcott. All information that I share in these videos is based on studies made by multiple Alcott schoolers, and I have included the sources to the description box if you wish to do further research. No matter if you have read Little Woman once or a million times, or only know it through adaptations, I'll encourage you to keep an open mind. Margaret Fuller was an American journalist, editor, and women's rights activist. Fuller's writings on love and marriage had a huge impact on Louisa. In her novel Dial, Fuller expresses her almost gender-neutral understanding between man and woman. Fuller's writings are considered the first American feminist writings at the time when feminism as a concept and as a social movement did not exist yet. Louisa knew Margaret and greatly admired her, and was deeply affected by her radical ideas about gender. Male and female represent the two sides of the great radical dualism, but in fact they are perpetually passing into one another. Fluid hardens to solid, solid rushes to fluid. There is no wholly masculine man nor pearly feminine woman. Following transcendental idea of duality, Fuller sees man including both sexes, those being the two sides of the same entity. Fuller underlines the fact that we cannot separate the well-being of either, but what is good for one sex is good for both. Equality between sexes is beneficial for everyone. At the time these ideas were revolutionary. Jo is often portrayed as a feminist icon, and this has been only highlighted by the movies, but the book Jo does fall into misogynist behavior more than once, especially in her younger years. There is a lot of talk about toxic masculinity. In her friendship with Laurie, Bocha and Laurie adapted behavior patterns that we might nowadays refer as sexist. They fed each other with misogynist ideas. They made fun of the feminine girls Laurie was flirting with in college. Joe mocked both Amy and Meg for wanting to fit into the female circles. When Joe lost her trip to Europe, it happened because she made fun of the feminine labor. When Laurie proposed to Joe, he took a position that was demanding. In comparison to Joe, who is very blunt, Laurie was very emotional and became easily offended. For Joe, showing emotions was a weakness. This is something that Laurie even calls her out in the book. In the 2017 series, after Mommy goes to Washington, Joe tells her sisters not to cry. In her relationship with Friedrich, for the first time Joe allowed herself to be completely vulnerable with another person. After Pat's passing, the novel that Joe writes is not Little Woman, and neither is it a thrilling story. It is a story about Pat, a book about home. She took Friedrich's advice to write something from her heart, and it becomes Joe's first big hit. 
when Amy marries Laurie, Jo is genuinely happy for them in the book. But she does envy their happiness. She does not envy Amy for marrying Laurie. She envies their happiness. The book Jo misses Friedrich a great deal. Loneliness she was afraid of does happen because it is inevitable. When Jo falls in love, she embraces all the emotions, including the romantic ones, which are the ones she has been afraid of because of her fear of commitment. According to Jo's early experience, love and marriage destroyed families. Fear of not being accepted as she is outside of her family is tied into Jo's fear of being alone. Friedrich does not want Jo to change, and once Jo realizes this, she lets go of her fear. Friedrich has an empathic worldview, which is often seen as a more feminine trait. He is also kind and soft-spoken. For some people, this makes Friedrich emancipated. It's more indicative of someone being tied up in their own binary views of gender than anything else. It is the same way condemning Amy because of her femininity. Some people, usually younger ones, admire Laurie when he tries to blackmail Joe to marry him. It is a complete juxtapose that shies away from Louisa May Alcott's very intentional attempt to tear down gender stereotypes. Those feelings of being an outsider and her struggles with non-conformity come at ease when she meets Friedrich, who embodies those feminine traits that she admires in a man. In, in the earlier version of the 2019 film script, where the ending was not ambitious, Greta had written this union quite beautifully. Friedrich rushes towards her and envelops her in an embrace and kiss that unites her body and soul and mind. For the first time in her life, all the seemingly contradictory elements of her being have come together. Interpreting little woman from our modern-day fourth way of feminism can be problematic. The controversial concept of feminism is a relatively new term that began to be employed at the end of the 19th century, and it is under a debate still today what the term actually includes. To understand Louisa May Alcott's views on marriage, we need to be aware of her transcendentalist and women's rights movement ideas and laws regarding marriage and property. In the Little Woman 2019 adaptation, Amy says that the marriage is an economical proposition, and she was right. Back in the 19th century, most marriages were made because of economical reasons. But what we often miss is that it was during Louisa May Alcott's lifetime out of the women's rights movement, a growing sense of equality, an ideal of companionate marriage, Marriage no longer was a choice made by a person's parents, but an individual choice, with love and courtship increasing their presence. Louisa rejects a marriage of convenience, calling it along with any other endeavor to love without the true feelings a mere shadow. While studying Louisa's life, I have become more skeptical whether her relationship towards the little woman was really as spiteful as it has been afraid to be. According to Alcott schooler Susan Bailey, Louisa was a natural-born storyteller who often exaggerated things. Here is a quote from Alcott schooler Daniel Sheely, who has done some extensive research on Louisa's views about egalitarian marriage. In her personal letters, Alcott often made fun of the marriages in part two of Little Woman. She wrote to her friend Elizabeth Powell in March 1869 that Joe should have remained a literary spinster. However, despite of her preferred ending, Alcott declared, Publishers won't let the authors finish up as they like, but insist on having people married off in a wholesome manner, which much afflicts me. In the same letter, she even claims that she expects vials of wrath to be poured out upon my head when she does not marry Joe to Laurie. 
did Algot specifically craft her letters to Powell, believing that her friend would appreciate the more independent, self-reliant version of Joe March. Powell, nine years Algot's junior, was both a Quaker and as early age as 16, an activist in abolition. Like Algot, Powell had also taught in school in the early 1860s. She then trained with Dr. Dia Lewis, the physical culture advocate who operated a school for girls in Lexington in the mid-1860s. In April 1864, she came to Concord to teach gymnastics, which Alcott and her older sister Anna joined. A year later, Powell became the gymnastic instructor at Vassar College, founded in 1861, as the first institution of higher education for women in the United States. In 1869, the year part two of Little Woman appeared, Powell, unmarried at the time, she would later marry in 1872 and eventually in 1890 became a dean of women's at Swarthmore College. Was clearly the type of woman who Algot admired, a strong, independent activist and champion of women's rights and racial justice. Did Algot think Powell would approve her insistence that Joe March not marry and that the author only acquiesced to her editor's desires? No known letters among the Niles Algot correspondence suggests that the publisher had any say here. The marriage decision was all Alcott's. I went to read more about Elizabeth Powell. Her life was surprisingly similar to the book show. She wasn't a writer, but there are parallels. Based on what I have found, her marriage with her lawyer husband was a happy one. She was devoted to the educational work and same way as Joe promoted a co-education, both male and female students. She became a dean of the university, like Joe who becomes the matriarch of the Bear Academy in Joe's Boys. Like the Powells, Joe and Friedrich had two sons together. This idea that Joe is a character who is only based on Louisa is not entirely true. Meg in Little Woman gets often dismissed as being the least ambitious of the sisters. In real life Anna Algot started the school, which is what Joe does in the book. There were many women who Louisa admired that she has inserted into Joe's character, and many Algot schools believe that with Joe and Friedrich, Louisa created her own ideal relationship. When Louisa was commissioned to write Little Woman in 1867, neither she or May, her younger sister who was the mother for Amy, weren't married. May did eventually marry a decade later, but she did not marry any of the real-life Lauries. Did Louisa meant to keep things according to reality in the part 2, since neither she or May were not married at the time? The end of part 1 is left open, which shows that Louisa has a part 2 in her mind, and she was a fast writer. She wrote part 1 in 3 months. 3 months later it was published, and she began to write part 2. I would argue that Louisa was very open to the idea of giving both Amy and Joe a love interest. Amy and Laurie do have interactions in the first part of Little Woman, which is easy to see as foreshadowing. But there is in fact a great deal of foreshadowing which suggests that Louisa planned to give Joe a love interest as well. In part 1 there are multiple references to Germany. On the very first chapter of Little Woman, Joe wishes a copy of Undine and Sintram as a Christmas present, written by a French-German author, Friedrich de la Motte-Fouquet. This book appears again in the last Little Woman book, Joe's Boys. Perhaps the most convincing evidence of the foreshadowing is the story that Joe is reading in chapter 11. She spends the afternoon reading and crying over the white white world up in the apple tree. White White World is a novel written by Susan Warner and it was published in 1850. 
It was one of the first American books made for girl readers, and it was one of the first novels that touched the subject of marriage. Stories about young women called Ellen Montgomery, and it has a heavy emphasis on Christian morals and the growth of the protagonist. There are many striking similarities between White White World and Little Woman. Ellen's mother is very ill, and her father takes her to Europe to live with her unkind aunt, who is very hard on her, same way as Aunt Marge is towards Joe. Ellen falls in love with a man called John Humphrey. He is a teacher and a priest. After many trials, Ellen ends up living with John and his sister Alice. John must move away to take care of a sick relative, sounds familiar, and the two separate. Ellen moves to Scotland to live with her relatives, and she misses John a great deal. When John returns, Ellen's relatives welcome him to their family, same way as the March family welcomes Friedrich. In the end of the novel, they separate again. John must soon return to America, but not without promising Ellen that they will be together forever soon. The two do not marry in the original 1850 novel. In a chapter unpublished until 1978, Ellen returns to America already married to John, who has great wealth to lavish on his bride. In their new home, he tells her that they will attempt to perform the work of life together and help each other to be faithful. Ellen requests her new husband to assist her when I am in a puzzle and confesses that I often lounge out upon a sea where I dare not to trust my own navigation, but now I will take the pilot along. Such an idea of a husband as a pilot is far from egalitarian marriage championed by Louisa. But there are some striking similarities between Ellen and John and Joe and Friedrich. There is the age gap, and John is an absent-minded teacher with a big library. Ellen is portrayed as someone who is intellectually curious. There is even a similar waiting period for the couple to get together. When White White Word was published, it explored the social limitations that women had in the 19th century and furthermore promoted the egalitarian marriage. Book was published 18 years prior to Little Woman. I read White White World, and from my modern perspective, Ellen is quite submissive around John. And yet, 170 years ago, this book was one of the first examples of feminist literature. In Little Woman, Louisa took the egalitarian relationship to the next level. When Joe and Friedrich confess their true feelings to one another, they discuss about the importance of being each other's equals. Egalitarian marriage based on love was a radical act because it supported the autonomy and mutual growth and development of both parties, whereas marriage based on economic reasons was the opposite and prevented women's autonomy. Most of Louise's novels are in fact semi-biographical, and in her text she promotes her form of radical marriage. In another Alcott novel, Modern Mephistopheles, Gladys and Felix have a conversation about equality in a relationship. Same with Mac and Rose in Rosy Bloom, which appeared ten years after Little Woman. In an early tale, The Lady and the Woman, published in the Saturday Evening Gazette, addressed the topic of marriage for the first time in her canon. Handsome, eligible Edward Windsor claims that the style of woman he most admires are those such as claim our protection and support giving us in return affection and obedience, beautiful and tender creatures, submissive to our will, confident in our judgment and lenient to our faults, to be cherished. Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. 
Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. Just in sunshine and sheltered in storms. Kate Loring, a young woman of 24, with no pretentious to beauty, who has raised her four orphan brothers, replies, You have given your idol a heart but no head. I would have her humble, though self-reliant, gentle, man's companion, not his plating, able and willing to face storms, as well as sunshines, and share life's burden as they come. Finding Kate's ideas dreadfully peculiar, the beautiful and popular Miss Amelia confesses to Windsor that she herself is willing to be led. Somebody says, man is the head and woman is the heart, and it's quite true. Kate, however, warns her friend. Hearts are often shipwrecked, passions and feelings are unruly crew, so let me advise you, take head as pilot, for you may find, as I have done, that the voyage of life is not quite a pleasant trip. Kate, however, replies, I would not be above you as I am now, nor yet beloved like poor Amelia in the garden, but here where every woman should be, at her husband's side, walking together through life's light and shadow. Louisa in this early tale begins to develop her concept of marriage as a partnership, an idea she would explore more fully in her most famous novel. In reality, Louisa had a pretty close relationship with her publisher Thomas Niles. And Little Woman was not Louisa's idea, it was commissioned by Niles. And unlike the 2019 film tries to imply, Niles wasn't a huge fan of Friedrich's character. He would have preferred Louisa to marry Joe off to Laurie, because then he would have doubled his profits. Nevertheless, Little Woman Part 2 was a big success. For the 1880 edition, Laurie went through a complete makeover. All mentions of his Italian heritage were erased, and when in the earlier version he is same size as Joe and androgynous, now he became taller and more handsome. There was a great deal of discrimination towards German immigrants back then. So putting up Friedrich as the romantic interest was not something that Nice would have voted for. And based to the notes that we have about the editing process, Louisa was quite adamant on keeping Friedrich's German accent, and it remains throughout the Little Woman saga. In Little Woman, there are characters with certain real-life counterparts. For example, Mummy was based on Abba Alcott and Meg on Anna Alcott. But Friedrich and Laurie are mixed characters that are based on several people in Louis's life. Laurie had several real-life counterparts. Louis's good friend Alf Whitman, who acted with her in the Concourse Theatrical Society. Alf was a good friend of with Louis's sister, May, as well. Next-door neighbor Julian Hawthorne is also considered to be one of the real-life Lauries. And he had a teenage crush on May. Ladislas Wisniewski was a 22-year-old composer who Louisa met in Poland when she was working as a companion to an invalid woman called Anna Weld. Ladislas had been described to be a flirtatious prankster, and he referred Louisa as his little mama. Ladislas had tuberculosis, and Louisa nursed him. It would seem that there was something romantic going on, and then there was a conflict, for the diary markings are violently scratched. Some Alcott schoolers have speculated that Ladislas flirted with Miss Welt. There is very little known about Ladislas. 
he did beat the tuberculosis and we know that he ended up marrying and had two children. What is noticeable is that all the real life Lauris were much younger than Louisa, even though the book Laurie is few months older than Joe, for Joe he always remains as a boy. As an adult, Laurie refers himself as the first boy Joe ever raised. There is a very compelling case to be made that Henry David Thoreau was the real-life Friedrich. Although Louisa once called her friend Emerson as the god of my idolatry, it was Henry who especially merited her lifelong affection. The ties between Henry and the Alcots are more extensive than one might expect. From the time when the Alcots moved to Concord in March 1840 until Henry's passing in 1862, he was a frequent guest in the Alcots' home, taking tea or dinner with the family. Bronson, who admired the young man's intellect, often visited him in his hut at Walden's Pond. If the connection between Henry and Alcott was strong, the connection between Louis and Henry was even stronger. As a child, she attended the Concord Academy that was operated by Henry and his brother. As a teenager and well into her twenties, Louisa visited his Walden cabin and took long nature walks with Henry that she remembered well into her maturity. Age difference between Joe and Friedrich is exactly the same as between Henry and Louisa. 16 years. On her first day in New York, right after meeting eccentric Friedrich, Cho writes into her journal, I hate ordinary people. Louisa's background was in the transcendentalist movement. Transcendentalists as a group had a controversial reputation, but Henry had a reputation of an odd person even among the transcendentalists. He lived in a hut in the woods for two years and still has a reputation of a loner, but this is a misconception. During his stay in the woods, he frequently entertained guests and visited friends. People may have all kinds of ideas about Henry's philosophy. His works like on civil disobedience probably open up better for American readers than a Finnish person like myself. Same way as Friedrich, Henry was a teacher of moral philosophy, but true Louisa to Henry, probably his kind side. He was gentle and soft-spoken, had no problems lay down to the floor and play with children, and was firm in his principles. There is a reoccurring character in Louisa May Alcott's novels. Let's just call him as the Friedrich Bear archetype. This character is soft-spoken, good with kids, bit nerdy, absent-minded, and is usually older than the female protagonist. In Little Woman's Saga, Joe and Friedrich go on regular walks together. In New York, they go to the parks with the children. When Friedrich comes courting, they take long walks and they continue this habit when they are married. Friedrich keeps his lessons outside in nature, and quite many of Friedrich's teaching methods come from Henry. The metaphor of God's garden that Friedrich uses is from Henry as well. When I read Little Woman Part 2 for the first time, there was something that always puzzled me in Friedrich's last name. I speak German, and Bär is not German. Bär doesn't mean anything. Bär without an H is an actual German last name and means a bear. For years I actually thought that Bär was a typo. But if it was a typo, why no one hasn't fixed it for the past 150 years? unless it was intentional. For the 1880 edition of Little Woman, Louisa went back correcting some of the German phrases. For example, das ist gute to das ist gut. But she does not touch on Friedrich's last name, and she knows it is written incorrectly. Henry and Friedrich both had a last name that Americans had difficulties to pronounce. This is what Henry's good friend Edward Emerson wrote. We always called my friend Thoreau, the H sounded an accent on the first syllable, and other friends called him Mr. Thoreau. 
Henry's name is French origin, so I am probably pronouncing it wrong. This is what Joe writes about Friedrich's last name. Now don't laugh at his horrid name. It isn't pronounced either bear or beer, as people will say it, but something between the two, as only Germans can do it. Team bear people, raise your hands if you have ever been asked do you prefer bearded or beardless Fritz. In the 19th century, beards were very common, and they have made a comeback recently. When Henry was in his 40s, he indeed had a bushy beard, same way as the book Friedrich. Films so far have preferred beardless Fritz. The only recent adaptation where Fritz has a beard is the series from 2017. Friedrich's looks seem to be a constant conversation topic. Most people seem to forget that Joe in the books is not that great looking. They both look average, to say the least. In fact, considering the time, Joe is quite unattractive. Joe has sharp androgynous features, and she is quite skinny. Meg, who is described to be plumpy, fits to the ideal of the 19th century female beauty. When Joe meets Fritz for the first time, he is handsome but not handsome. But when Joe falls in love with Fritz, in her eyes, he is now truly handsome. Nathaniel Hawthorne, Henry's neighbor, describes him ugly as sin, long-nosed, queer-mouthed. Louisa's views on Henry were quite different. In Moods, the protagonist Sylvia describes Adam as the manliest man she has never seen, not only in demeanor, but in stature, standing a head taller than more. Again in Little Woman, his bushy hair had been cut and smoothly brushed, but didn't stay in order long, for in exciting moments he rumpled it up in the troll way he used to do, and Joe liked it rampantly erect better than flat, because she thought it gave his fine forehead a Joe-like aspect. Joe goes into great detail when she describes Friedrich's clothes. They are all shabby and neat mending, but for Joe Friedrich's homely looks are nothing else than inviting. Henry was drawn into simplicity. He writes in Walden, Perhaps we should never produce a new suit, however racked or dirty the old, until we have so conducted, so enterprises or sailed in some way, that we feel like new men in the old. Henry passed away in 1862 at the age of 44. Louisa was 28 at the time. All this would explain the funny match, but at the same time, it is not funny at all. Louisa knew Henry all of her life. Did she ever told him how much she loved and adored him? Things that Joe and Friedrich see in each other's are not necessarily flattering, but deeply personal. They are connected by their desire to be unconventional. 33-year-old Henry ripped out four pages from his journal just before this romantic, passionate entry. My dear, my dewy sister... Let thy rain descend on me. I not only love thee, but I love the best of thee, that is to love thee rarely. I do not love thee every day. Commonly I love those who are less than two. I love thee only on great days. Thy dewy words feed me, like the mana of the morning, to art as much my brother as my sister. It is a portion of me, and portion of thee, which are of kin. Do does not have to woo you, I do not have to woo you, O oh, my sister, O oh, Diana, thy tracts are on the eastern hill, too surly pass that way, I, the hunter, saw then in the morning dew, my eyes are the hounds that pursue you, two can't speak, I cannot, I hear and forget to answer, I am occupied with hearing, I awoke and thought of thee, two was present to my mind, how comes to thee? Was I not present to thee likewise? 
Same way as Friedrich, Henry was a fan of using the word too. They were both quite secretive about their private lives, and they had always known each other's. One clue is Henry mentions of seeing her tracts. They often took nature walks together. He also says that she can speak about him, which she obviously did in many ways, but he cannot speak about her. He had played the role of a mentor since she was a child. She could speak of him as someone that she admired, but any mention of her in kind might have been considered socially unacceptable and maybe even scandalous. He says that he thought of her and wondered if she simultaneously thought of him. They did appear to spend one-on-one time together beyond family gatherings. So they might have developed this type of telepathic rapport, and it is without a doubt that Louisa loved him a great deal. The poem that Friedrich reads from a magazine is about Joe's loneliness, and it is called In the Garret. The poem was written by Louisa and she recycled it to Little Woman. It was first published in the Flag of Our Union in 18th of March, 1865, but with a number of differences. It discusses the chests of Nan, Lou, Bess and May, rather than Meg, Joe, Beth and Amy. Poem appears again in Little Woman. In the version from the 1869, the text, it says, A woman in a lonely home, hearing like a sad refrain, Be worthy of love and love will come in the falling of summer rain. The earlier version reads, A woman musing here alone, hearing ever her life's refrain, Labor and love but make no moan in the trip of the summer rain, at least during the time of writing, and carefully estimated, perhaps when writing Little Woman, this idea of being a literal spinster with a pen as a spouse was not very tempting. Louisa troubles the divide between author and narrator to claim herself, if problematically, as character, as the Lou, to whom she has given a version of her own name in this earlier rendering of the poem, and this woman's fate differs from that of Joe. No love waits for her except the love that she must give, second only to labor, neither of which, it seems, can make her happy. Many Alcott schoolers believe that Louisa fell in love at least twice. When a person destroys their journals, that usually means that they wish to hide something. Louisa was very careful to protect her reputation, almost paranoid about it. Still today, women can have thousand different reasons for not to marry. When Louisa was in her early twenties, she considered marrying for money, and she had way more suitors than Joe March ever had. But her mother reminded her that love was more important. How many modern readers can imagine Joe even considering marrying for money? Louisa is not Joe. Joe is fiction. If Louisa would have married later in life, she would have married for love, based to the very little that we know about her love life, it would seem that she was either jaded by love or that the person she loved had passed away. Family friend Julian Hawthorne ponders in his 1922 essay, Louisa May Alcott, the woman who wrote Little Woman. Did she ever have a love affair? We never knew. Yet how could a nature so imaginative, romantic and passionate escape it? One of the Little Woman fans who I chatted with said that if Friedrich is based on someone who Louisa truly loved, that would explain why she was frustrated by the little girls who were demanding her to marry off Joe to Laurie. In April 1868, around the time when Louisa had been asked by Niles to write a novel for girls, Louisa published an article called Happy Woman. If love comes as it should come, accept it in God's name and be worthy of his best blessing. If it never comes, then in God's name reject the shadow of it, for that can never satisfy a hunger heart.
If love does not come, there is nothing wrong of being a happy spinster, and yet her belief for love is strong. The only marriage that is worth entering is a marriage between equals. Here is part of Joseph and Friedrich's conversation. I read that, and I think to myself, she has a sorrow. She's lonely. She would find comfort in true love. I have a heart full, full for her. Shall I not go and say, if this is not too poor a thing to give, for what I shall hope to receive, take it in God's name? No, I should not ask. I have nothing to give but my heart, which is so full. And these empty hands. Not empty now. Oh, Joe. In November 1868, when Louisa began writing part two, she has clearly made up her mind. Girls write to ask who the little woman Mary, as if that was the only end and aim of woman's life. I want Mary Jo to love to please anyone. Little woman becomes a different type of marriage novel, one for the modern woman in the 19th century. She expects the wiles of red, which means that Louisa is fully aware how radical and different the novel is. In my little woman's circles, I have been following a thought-provoking conversation started by the scene in the 2019 film that captures the central question of growing into womanhood, wanting love and equality, but struggling to compromise your ambitions and having to face the fact that it can leave you alone. There is shame and stigma admitting that even today, especially if one has reputation of someone who has been preaching about independence. For the loners that might switch as fine, but Jo is not a loner. She is extremely attached to her family, like her creator. Friedrich makes a compromise by giving up the teaching position in the West and agreeing to Jo's ideas of opening a school for boys at Plumfield. That he never wants to take Jo away from her family is telling. In a research made about the earlier LMA biographies, Sheely explains how Louisa and her publishers very consciously created this brand called Louisa May Algot that was used to market her works. This public persona was the kind of spinster aunt who wrote children's books, and Louisa hid herself behind it, showing the books can be more complex and even fall in love, and so made the real-life Louisa, but the public persona cannot do that. Louisa was extremely careful about her reputation, and she actively censored her journals. Some of the things she has said and written are in complete contradiction with one another because of the high-level self-censoring. Louisa was J.K. Rowling-level author celebrity. People were interested from Alcott's private lives. Louisa hiding behind her public persona indicates that there were things that she preferred to keep to herself, like her romantic affairs. She points out that Louisa's public persona was the focus of the early biographers, and this still affects the way people see her, and to some extent, the way people see Joe March. I am currently focusing on my favorite professor. The references to Germany and German philosophy begin very early on in Little Woman, which is really interesting. So you may expect more of these in-depth Friedrich essays. If you wish to find out more about my research, check the links in the description box. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.